Welcome to Despirituality. Today we're going to do, eh, it might be a quick one today, but I think you're going to love it. I have been able to somehow commandeer, coerce, cowjule, convince Sean Killick and Mike Query to come back on in for a great episode called Chasing After God. I think that's what it's called. Let me look at my notes. Don't get down on me. My iPad locked up, so I couldn't <laughs> see. Oh, just called Chasing God. Chasing God. That's what it's about. Chasing God. Have you ever chased anything, Sean or Mike? Chased my daughter. She's like you chased your daughter? <laughs> Did oh. you ever catch her, or is she still out there running around? Yeah, she's, to this day, she runs still. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, I mentioned uh, in the last episode, we took her to the beach for the first time um, over the weekend, and... Uh, at first, she was very trepidatious about the whole thing. You know, she's kind of like, "What well, is very I'm out of my environment." But once she kind of got settled in, she's like, "This place is awesome." And then she brought her up to the water and the waves, and she's like, "Oh, that's kind of." And then she got so excited, she started like running into the ocean. You know, she's like, "I like." But did it. you chase her? Yeah, I was like, hey, "Get back here!" Why? Because um, I wanted her to be safe. I'm All like, right, that's cool. I like that. You were basically parenting. Let me read you a scripture. <laughs> I did. Let me read you a scripture about. You guys are all laughing. I know. I didn't even know that was funny. Uh, the idea of me parenting. Is funny. That's I was oh, the idea of you parenting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the laughing was about. I was just being. I was just like saying. Let me read this great scripture to you. It's from the NIRV. That's the young kids version. And yes, I read that one. I read. I, I read whatever version helps me understand the Bible. <laughs> I'm not trying to be smart. I'm trying to be clear. A huge cloud of witnesses is all around us. So let us throw off everything that stands in our way. Let us throw off any sin that holds on to us so tightly and let us keep on running the race marked out for us. Jackson Brown has a song about running. Let us keep looking to Jesus. He's the one who started this journey, this journey of faith, and he is the one who completes the journey of faith. He paid no attention to the shame of the cross. He suffered there because of the joy he was looking forward to. Then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He made it through these attacks by sinners so think about him. Then you won't get tired. You won't lose hope. Hmm. You struggle against sin, but you've not yet fought to the point of spilling your blood. Have you completely forgotten this word of hope? It speaks to you as a father to his children. It says, my son, think of the Lord's training as important. Do not lose hope when he corrects you. The Lord trains the one he loves. He corrects everyone he accepts as his son. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, put up with hard times. God uses them to train you. He's treating you as his children. What children are not trained by their parents? God trains all his children. But what if he doesn't train you? Then you're not really his children. You're not God's true sons and daughters at all. Besides, we've all had human fathers who trained us. We respected them for it. How much more should we be trained by the father of spirits and live? Our parents trained us for a little while. They did what they thought was best. But God trains us for our good. He does this so we may share in his holiness. No training seems pleasant at the time. In fact, it seems pleasant painful but later on it produces a harvest of godliness and peace it does this for those who have been trained by it so put your hands to work strengthen your legs for the journey 
make level paths for your feet to walk on Proverbs 426. Then those who have trouble walking won't be disabled. Instead, they will be healed. Chapter 12, Hebrews verses 1 through 13 basically says God is a parent. Yeah. Now, one of the interesting things is, is a parent who's adopted. And if you ever watch the movie, it's a good movie called Instant Family with Mark Wahlberg. And the woman who plays the mother, I can't remember her name right now, but she was in a, in a number of movies and a number of series and is really, really good. Really, really good movie. It's yeah, about it's adoption. Yeah. Good about adoption, right? We watched that at home and we were just rolling. <laughs> just rolling. But we went through that experience. And what they have is they have an adoption fair where basically you go. And kids from probably 3 to 18 will be there. Mm-hmm. And they're there for the prospective parents to look and pick one out that they might like. I know it sounds terrible, but there are at least 700,000 children that are homeless in America, at least. That's an old number. And many of them are in the foster program. Um, and and, 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 and that, that's where they go for hope. And so when you walk in, you feel a palpable sense of these kids just hoping, maybe you're going to pick me. Mm-hmm. Maybe. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible talks about adoption and that God has adopted us. But we rarely think that we are the drifting, the lost, the homeless, and that God is walking out there and saying, I'm available to be a parent. And part of what I think the Bible teaches us is we have to have a hunger to be parented. And when we have a hunger to be parented by God, we chase him. We chase him down. Ever been lost in the mall or something looking for your parents? Have you guys ever had one of those experiences? Yeah. I remember a time with Target. I think it was Target or something. I was walking around. It was just aisles, but there seemed at the time so giant. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I was probably six or seven and I didn't know where my mom was. So right. this panic kind of overcomes. And then she's just like three aisles down. But for those, you know, for that few minutes, it was um, all alone in this big world. Did you find your mom? Yeah, I found my mom down the aisle and I remember feeling so relieved. Did you, you know? find her without going to the uh, place where they make the announcements? Yeah, I think I, yeah, I just kind of roamed around. But, cool. you know, but I didn't need to make an announcement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you, you were a little nervous, I bet, right? Yeah, for the yeah for those however many minutes it was, I thought I was in this giant world and I didn't know where I was. And, and so this is how it ends. This is <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and I think a lot of times we don't look at the world and go, you know, this world around us. You know, Bob Bob Dylan has a song, and it's 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 I don't know if this is the exact title, but it's called "You're Going to Serve Somebody." He goes mm. in this life. He goes, you may be president, you may be a pauper, you may be a king, you may be a this but you're going to serve somebody. Mm. You might be a celebrity. You might just be a common person, but everybody's got to serve somebody. I think everybody chases something. And the reason I wanted to have this episode about chasing God is because chasing God is about walking around and asking yourself the question, who am I going to pursue? Cause you're going to pursue something. You're going to pursue a job. You're going to pursue notoriety. You're going to pursue comfort. You're going to chase something. Let's take a look at There's three areas that I think drive our chase. Number one is a feeling of unworthiness. We just don't feel like we're worthy and that anybody could love us, care about us, respect us. Number two is inadequacy. 
We just feel like, you know, we have no adequacy. We can't do anything really well. And number three is insignificance. I don't even matter. I, when I'm unworthy, I'm not, you know, I, no, nobody's going to want me to do X, Y, or Z. When I'm inadequate, I don't have the ability to do X, Y, or Z. And when I'm insignificant, nobody even knows I'm here to do X, Y, or Z. Hmm. So I think unworthiness, inadequacy, and insignificance <clears throat> make us seek self-worth. In Second Samuel 22, verse 36, he says, you have given me your shield of victory, your help has made me great. In our previous episode, Sean, you referenced Psalm 139 a lot, and you talked about the fact that you believe God shaped us, right? Right. That's what this scripture is saying. He's saying, you give me your shield of victory, your help has made me great. I think one of the reasons that we have to be aware of our our self-worth or our lack of feeling any sense of self-worth is because it's the insecurity about who we are that fuels our chase. And we've got to make sure we choose right. Middle schooler, teenager, college student, parent, um, an adult professional, whoever you are, you have to be really aware of feeling. Everybody feels unworthy. Everybody feels inadequate. And everybody feels insignificant at some point. And so the key is, what are you going to do with all those feelings and those emotions? How are you going to solve it? Self-worth or self-esteem is how you quiet those three giants. But if you chase the wrong thing, you will only quiet them temporarily. That's exactly what Solomon went through in the book of Ecclesiastes. I want you to tell me what you guys think of these. Ecclesiastes 1.14, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What's the thing that hits you when you read that scripture? Well, I mean, I can relate to chasing after meaningless stuff. I mean, I think, I, um, well, first of all, the image like the mental image of chasing after the wind is sort of a nearly funny one. Right. right? You know, because <laughs> it, it, I don't think I like admitting that my pursuit of things that aren't satisfying me as silly as that. Right. right? Which is like some dude just going, go back here and, right. and not getting anywhere. But I mean, I'm notorious for starting things and not finishing them. You right. Know, like hobbies. I've started so many hobbies. I, in high school, I joined like, all kinds of random, you know, clubs. I did, I did sports. I did the play. I right. did like the yearbook, anything I could do. And then yeah. once I, once I got to the point where I'm like realizing I'm not good, yeah. <laughs> it's about when I'd quit and try and find something else. Right. And right. just keep going, keep going. Even now it's like, it's always, there's, I'm, I'm always leaning towards trying to find what's the thing that I feel like I can be good at, Right. you know? And it's like, okay, maybe it's like design, maybe it's music, you know? And then I'll eventually read a point, reach a point where my talent like can't take me. And why do you chase farther. those things? Because I, I get convinced, I'm like, I can get good at this, and then I can feel like I have my thing. Yes, I have the, my thing. and see, that's, my, that's what I'm trying to say. Once you get that chase going, you're usually chasing something that you think is going to make you feel worthy, going to make you feel adequate, or going to make you feel significant. <laughs> right, right. And that's the thing we got to get dealing with. We're not just chasing because we need to do something with our time. We're chasing that reason. And that thing you said about it's funny, what are you going to say, Sean? No, I was going to say I can connect with the, 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 the significance part and also the identity. Is I remember you staying up late trying to like I, I want to make my mark on the world I'm going to invent something and come up with something new right, and so that's right. what everything done under the sun like you know I think I wanted to do something that was different or, or mattered yes. you know but there's nothing what that scripture says is there's yes. nothing that's gonna there's nothing new you know and I, yeah. I think I wanted to <laughs> I come up about, with something I don't know about you guys but as a parent and every little kid I've ever been around one thing for some reason kids are really into is farting <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Kids. That's true. My son, like, my son is definitely into that. Yeah, it's like a musical instrument. It's like a musical instrument or something. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Wouldn't it be weird if once a kid, you know, farted or broke wind or did whatever you want to call it? That's what my parents had us call when we were growing up. So you're breaking wind. <laughs> so it was a very appropriate to the scripture, right? <laughs> 
Breaking wind. That's what we we didn't call it farting. Farting was considered a bad word when I was growing up. You didn't say that word. It's a bad word. I still feel weird saying that word. But breaking wind was what you called it, right? Hmm. So can you imagine a little kid breaking wind and then the parent chasing it? (laughs) Chasing wind. And every time the parent thinking, if I could just catch that part. <laughs> That's some deep spirituality right there. It's deeper than I thought we could if go. If I could just catch that. But I think, I think when you get that in your head, you start realizing how ridiculous it is that we, it's not just that what Mike was saying, it's not just that we choose hobbies. That's not the key. Right. We chase them because we don't want to chase God. Right. That's the real key. Take right, a look at right. this. Ecclesiastes 2.11. So- Solomon writes, yeah, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained <laughs> under the sun. How does that hit you? It makes, uh, it makes me f- uh, think about when I was in uh, middle school. I remember my mom uh, got my first computer, uh-huh. you know, and I Uh-oh. figured out how to. Yeah, I got into trouble with that computer, too, <laughs> but not in this story. Yeah. But this particular story. <laughs> Another episode. Uh, I remember... Um, Are they still looking for you? That's the only question <laughs> I have. Uh, yeah, we're going to edit this part out. But the, I remember writing the first program or whatever. It's like this drawing thing. And, uh, you know, I just kind of get to know stuff. And I remember, like, feeling really proud of it. And I did this thing. And then I showed my mom. And she did not believe that I did it. She's like, no, this is something that you you got. Like, you know, she was... And I could tell she didn't believe it. And I remember feeling, like, empty. Like, <laughs> what was the point of why I just did this? I did this thing, but it doesn't matter because no one I care about or no one knows about it. Yes. And it made me think... What's the point? I, I worked hard on this thing, but it yeah. doesn't matter. And, and I realized at the time, like, you know, I kind of gave up on computers a little bit and so I started hanging out with friends for a yeah. little bit of time there. Yeah. And like, that's what really matters because it, it doesn't matter actually what I do. So it's a kind of a small thing that makes me realize the scripture, but I think so much of what I can do is try to achieve or feel good about what I can accomplish. But at the end of the day, it is meaningless. Well, I, I you know, I, I was uh, reading uh, scripture this morning in James chapter one, I think it's verse 19 where he says, be quick to uh, listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And I realized the whole verse is about being slow. So being quick to listen slows you down. So if you start listening to people, you slow down, all right? You just, it automatically slows you down because now you're paying attention to the other person, so you're not moving so fast. You're not thinking in your head, what do I want to say next? You're not right. thinking in your head, how do I respond to what they're saying? You're just sitting there listening, so you slow yourself down. Um, and then when you're, when you're slow to anger, again, you slow yourself down because anger frustration is an emotion that's so strong that it speeds you up. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It gets you, it gets you revved up. And I think what he's saying right here is he's saying, when I survey, that means he took some time to look at his life. Hmm. The right. problem with, uh, with me and my life. And I think because that is that I was going over this morning is sometimes I move too fast. And mm-hmm. when you move too fast, you don't survey, you don't sit back and look and go, notice what he concludes. He goes, what have I really gained from doing that? Like, I actually think your example of the computer thing was actually, a, at least that was productive. You were trying to do something <laughs> cool. You were trying to do something inventive. But there are a lot of us out there just doing junk. It's like, why? <laughs> you know, right. I mean, so have you ever done that? Yeah. You're like, why? Why, why? why did I do that? Why? Today's podcast is brought to you by the I'm Feeling Spotify playlist. If you're like us and don't always know how to express what you feel, music can be your voice. Music speaks to the soul and helps us express parts of ourselves that are too deep for words. Through music, we can understand and express our emotions, and we can use the music to help us feel closer to God. With this in mind, we launched a monthly I'm Feeling Spotify playlist. It's our hope that these songs can deepen our relationship with God by helping us to connect to emotions that may be difficult to explain, understand, or resolve. 
Every month, a new custom playlist will be published to help you connect closer to God. Head on over to deepspirituality.net to follow the Spotify playlist so you can stay up on the latest songs from some of your favorite artists. Again, that's deepspirituality.net. I'm feeling Spotify playlist. Now, back to the show. I was in an elevator in Atlanta. I was uh, with some friends. And uh, I'm afraid of heights. And I'm really afraid of heights. Like, I'm not like a little afraid of heights. I'm really afraid of heights. When I look, if I look down or whatever, it just, it's, 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 it's near traumatizing. Um, and I have friends of mine who, whenever they see me in a height, they're always trying to do something mischievous. <laughs> um, so I had a couple of friends of mine say, hey, let's get in this elevator and, and we got to go up to X floor because we have to go up there for some meeting or whatever. And I said, okay. They didn't tell me the elevator was glass. Oh, <laughs> shady. <laughs> so we get on, it's like 22, 25 floors. And we get on. And and they push me toward the glass. They push me toward the glass. Oh. And I'm looking out there and I'm like, I'm like freaked out because, you know, never has an elevator ever moved so slow in my life because <laughs> it, it, it didn't even have stops. It was just like a because what they're what they designed the elevator to do was for you to see the scenery of the hotel. And I'm not seeing any scenery. I'm sweating. I'm struggling. So sometimes what we don't do is we don't survey our life like that. And look and just go, as you're looking out, sometimes if you look out honestly, you freak out and go, why in the comic world did I do all this? Why mm. did I toil? Why did I work? And I know for me, I don't want to look out and survey because I'm afraid of heights. But sometimes we don't want to look out and survey because we're afraid of seeing that we've gained absolutely nothing from all that effort. Mm. We did all that stuff. And all we've got is a bad back, a sore throat, <laughs> and less hair. You know what I'm saying? And we're like, what did I do that? And I think that's what Solomon's going, come on, man. We got to all look at this thing and see what's really going on. I think a lot of it comes from godlessness. See, when you chase God, that's what being godly is. But when you chase these things, and I'm going to give you eight things today. When you chase these things, you end up all messed up. So when these are the drivers. In Job 8.13, it says, such is the destiny of all who forget God, so perishes the hope of the godless. Hmm. See, the problem with not chasing God, Mike, is that you become godless because you're chasing other things. We can chase insecurity. How can I make myself feel secure? I'm going to go buy it. I'm going to get another degree. I'm going to get more money. Something will erase it. And it becomes a godless pursuit. Humanism, effort, strategy, smarts. I'm going to get this done. If I can just be smart enough, if I can just get a good enough grade, if people will just listen to me and go, wow, he's brilliant, then I'll have it. If I can just work harder, but it's godlessness, anxiety. A lot of times we're chasing, how do I calm my anxiety? We're not chasing God. We're chasing the cure to anxiety. You know, we're meditating, which I think that's a good thing to do. We're trying to walk in the forest. I think that's a good thing to do. But the problem is we're chasing the anxiety or trying to chase it away. We're not chasing God. Ungratefulness, godless ungratefulness. Meaning that there's just no gratitude for God. We're grateful maybe for ourselves, for our job, but there's no gratitude for God. Number five, fear of man. We can become godless because we're afraid of people. We're afraid of people think, what they'll say. We can become consumed by people. And when you're consumed by people, you can't be chasing God. Emotionalism, that's me. I can end up chasing and totally consumed by my feelings. And when you're doing that, it's godless emotionalism. God is removed from your life. When insecurity, humanism, anxiety, ungratefulness, fear of man, and emotionalism happen. Number seven, doubt. 
we can become godless in our doubt, so controlled by our doubts that we have no room for God. And then number eight, fear. And I'm sure you guys can relate to that. Just Mm -hmm. fear being so dominant that God is driven out of our lives. One of the most important things for us to remember when we feel insecure, when we're self-reliant and humanistic, when we're anxious, when we are ungrateful, when we're afraid of people and what they'll say about us, when we're overly emotional, emotionalism, when we're doubtful, when we're afraid, these eight things are the first sign for us that we're not chasing God, we're chasing something else, we're chasing something wrong. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I don't always connect. I mean, those are good lists. I connect most like anxiety, fear, um, fear of man. I, I think I don't always connect. I think those are qualities like, oh, I'm just an anxious person, but I don't always connect with, hey, I'm I'm pursuing a, something other than God. And I think that's kind of a mind change I need to have of like, hey, this is a sign I'm not I'm the forgetting God from that job, Job eight thirteen scripture. I think the fear, it's part of my humanism, I'm afraid of things I've never done before or things of fear of the future, what's going to happen. And that's the only Me thing. Me too. That, and, that, and that's what God is the only answer for that. And yeah. I think that's, there's things in my life that I know I need God. Like there's, like there's no, there's nothing I know to do, whether it's parenting or whatever I, I have. And so I, I don't always make the connection though, that I'm forgetting God or not chasing after God. So that's helpful even in this connection, this conversation. Well, and I think, uh, you know, it's, it's so, it's funny trying to pick one. I'm like, man, just, you know, what day is it? You know, <laughs> but I got eight days a week up there. Mike, yeah, so there's one left over. There you go. Rotate. So, yeah. One, one will sit out. I think probably the fear one sticks out to me. I mean, like the, I think what's helpful is, you know, in this Bible study is connecting it with, with God and like whether or not I'm pursuing him, because like in the last one, the, the point before where we were talking about all the, you know, the different things that we pursue, like I, I spend so much time trying to, you know, uh, you know, like the guy chasing the wind, like fruitlessly trying to find ways to feel secure about myself. Right. That I inevitably like get let down. Right. Like I, I run into that wall and I get discouraged. Yeah. Right. So I end up very fearful when I do have to face something that I'm not prepared for. That's above me. That's like beyond me. So whether that's you know marriage, parenting, you know, any, anything that involves uh, trying to help somebody or, or leadership, like anything that's going to put me in a position where I'm I don't have like the experience or I don't have like the, the know, I don't know what to do. Like I get very afraid. And so I think, you know, God is supposed to provide that confidence for me, but I spend so little time uh, pursuing God to get that confidence that I get stuck when I'm in a situation, you know, where I'm like, Oh shoot, I don't know what to do. Um, how, how many people do you think have, have like I, I, one of the things I learned when I started to change more radically, not just my relationship with God, my character, my heart condition and become spiritual. And it took me a long time. I think I was, you know, in my late 30s, I mean, sorry, late 20s, going into early 30s, before I really started to get a grip on this. Um, how many, and, and I started to, to look for warning signs that would let me know I'm abandoning God. Hmm. How many people do you think, or maybe in your experience, how much do you look and go, I know my warning signs. Like these for me, not all of them fit completely, but these for me are warning signs that I'm getting away from God. And I understand there are people out there who have, you gotta be very careful, who have emotional health challenges. So you have to kind of read and listen to these a little bit differently because when we're talking about anxiety, we're talking about uh, typical anxiety over a specific event or situation or circumstance, not clinical anxiety. So it's important to note that. But I think when I look and I feel insecure, I start to know, oh, there's something amiss in my relationship with God. When I start to be very humanistic or self-reliant, I know I'm off. 
do you think people tend to look and say, wake up in the morning, have your quiet time and look for warning signs and say, are there any warning signs in my life that I'm drifting? Um, I mean, I, I don't, I think I, I tend to approach things more like if I'm going to view things that I need to change, I, I end up viewing it more negatively. Like, oh, let's, let's, do I want to view the things that I'm messing up in or something? You know, like a, yeah. a kind of... You look at the sins. Yeah, yeah. What's I, my sins that I have to, that everybody's either getting on me about or... Right, right. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. What, what are the, what are the, my devious things that are, I'm, I'm doing that are, that are awful? You know, it's like, it's kind yeah. of a, like not a very helpful or productive way and to And this is much healthier, I think. Yeah. Because I, mean, I think when we become sin obsessed, and I don't think there are many people who are, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I just I can't stop people, talking about it. Most of us are sin avoidant. <laughs> and, we, right. and, you know, and there's, a, there's, this, there's this rising cascade of people who I think go, you talk about sin too much. You shouldn't talk about sin so much. I, I don't think people realize the only thing that separates us from God is sin. The mm-hmm. only thing. So, why, if you love God deeply, why wouldn't you be paying attention to the one thing he tells you <laughs> separates you from him? And well, people say, well, I'm covered by grace of God and, and the cross of Christ. Well, yeah, but Jesus died for that. And he died based on First John, the book of First John, go back and read it. He died and sacrificed his life and became an advocate for us so we would sin less, not the same or more. And I think we all, me, I've done them all. I've sinned less, more, extra more, uh, you know, more for other people, you know, that weren't sinning enough. Um, but I'm just saying, I think one of the things that we can do is we can get a little carried away about being negative on the discussion of sin. But the reason is, is because we have nothing else to discuss. And <laughs> right. these warning signs are a good predicate or pre or, or, or precursor that you can start there. Instead of wake up in the morning and saying, am I terrible and should I go to hell? <laughs> Maybe wake up in the morning and say, am I feeling insecure a little bit too much? Or well, something missing? It helps too, like even at home, when I, I think about home, like I think like I, I, if I'm really anxious, if I'm really fearful, I'm insecure, like I got people in my head and I'm worried about other things, yeah. like that affects my home, right? I get like moody or quiet. Sure. It, it makes my wife... Kind of go. I mean, she told me the other day is like, "Hey, I'm starting to feel like I can't really count on you in certain things because yeah. you're just not going to be there." Yeah, right. And that's how like detached I get because I'm in my mind worried about stuff. So it's more helpful. I very much want a good home. I want to be a good husband. So if I viewing these warning signs, they're going like, "Okay, how did we get here?" It's yeah, like a different pathway to talk about. And then we can talk about that's it. You know, my sin, the, the ways that we've hurt each other and stuff. Versus just doing it because we know we have to. And then it's, well, and, and, and you know. can identify sin as not a measure of your performance, but the threat to your relationship. Right. I think too many people say, well, did I do well or did I not do well? You don't need to do well or not do well. It's a pass-fail class. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And so you just got to go, oh, yeah, I see it. And usually what I find in my life is one of these eight warning signs of godliness, godlessness are usually what's driving my sin. So it's insecurity, humanism, anxiety, ungratefulness, fear of man, emotionalism, doubt, and fear. You want to get a word on this, Sean? Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's helpful to think about this list as warning signs in your relationship with God, because I think, I know I can, and I think others can blame these things on circumstances in our life. Like, yes. This thing's happening, and it's making me anxious. Yes. And and the more, like, hey, God, why don't, can you help me with this thing, yes. rather yes. than, mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the circumstances it's it's about distance between me and God, and that's why I'm anxious about whatever that is. Right. But I think across the board on this, I think it's easy to blame. Oh, this thing's making me doubt this negative, negative thing, or anxious. I get anxious about you know work, relationships, in ungratitude. So I think it's helpful even in the context of the Job eight 
13 is it's forgetting God where these things come yes. and not the things that ha- mm. happen in our life. Now, so you gave me a perfect segue to talk about the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> We're in basketball season. It's 2019 if you've not been paying attention or if you're listening to this in 2025. In the future. Yes. But in the fourth quarter of Game 6, Steph Curry scores 23 points to finish off a half where he scores 33. On the other side is James Harden and a phenomenal player. And Steph Curry's phenomenal on the Warriors. But what you saw was a picture of peace in the middle of bad circumstances. Hmm. Steph Curry had scored zero points in the first half. People were critical of him before the game, critical of him during the game. You're getting in foul trouble. You're missing shots. Big-time players should be coming through. They were dropping it all on him. But what Steph Curry said after the game is, yeah, I was aware of all the noise, but it didn't affect me. And what he did is he dialed in. And I think peace Mm. is not – if Steph Curry was sitting on a beach in Hawaii on a sunny day with a beautiful whatever color water they have in Hawaii, blue or whatever it is, splashing up, the kids (laughs) laughing appropriately like a movie scene, and then he was relaxed and his blood pressure was right on low, that's not peace because he's in a peaceful circumstance. Peace is when you're in the middle of a fourth quarter, people are dogging you, they're saying you're not coming through, and then you rise above all that to play, I think, one of the most phenomenal quarters of basketball I've ever seen. I think circumstances matter. I might just tweak what you said a little bit. Circumstances matter, and I do think they can make us anxious and doubtful. But what it is is if we go into circumstances already anxious and doubtful because of our relationship with God, we're not going to hold up very well. Yeah. So these things are going to happen. That's just the way life is. But the key is when you go into a circumstance that makes you afraid, were you already broken down by fear before you got there? That's where we collapse. And so a good warning sign system can tell you, I'm really getting far away from God. People wait until they sin. They go, oh, I did something bad. Now I feel terrible. Don't wait till then. Get your warning signs out. It's a lot less stressful, a lot less shame-inducing, a lot less do I tell somebody you're not? Just start with your warnings. Start with your temptation to be overly emotional. Because you know if you're deeply overly emotional, you're probably going to go out and rob a bank or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you can't do that. Let's take a look at the scripture. We're almost done. In Ecclesiastes 2.17, So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless or chasing after the wind. You may be sitting out there today going, you know what? I'm totally depressed. I'm totally discouraged about my life. I can't believe I chose this job. I can't believe I chose this major. I can't believe I chose to live in the city. Of course, you would never say that if you live in the Bay Area because it's the greatest place to live in the world. But if you live somewhere else, I understand. (laughs) But I would never want to. And you just hate your life. One of the signs that you're hating your life, one of the signs that come from hating your life is that you're chasing after the wind. If you're completely miserable, and I've been there, completely miserable, completely hopeless, completely confused, completely disappointed, and just like, man, I don't want to get up and go to work tomorrow. Man, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. I just want to sleep all weekend. I just want to get drunk, or I just want to take drugs, or I just want to, somebody needs to put me on a prescription medicine to take this hate away. If you're in that mode, more than likely, it's because you've been chasing after the wind. And what's our recommendation? Our recommendation today is that you stop chasing the wind. And instead, you chase after God. Get out Psalm 42. Do a great study. Psalm 63. Do a great study. 
Those are two great passages of Scripture in the book of Psalms that will lead you there. Psalm 42, Psalm 63. Take a look and read the book of Haggai. Tremendous book about getting back to God, getting back in there with God. Read the New Living Translation. You'll, you'll be glad you did. Get back in and read the book of John. And don't read it like you read it before. Read it searching for the God and Father who's chasing after us to look for the intimacy that God had with Jesus and seek that same intimacy yourself. And then finally, read the book of Ephesians. It's a great book about adoption, about coming home, about being close to God, about God chasing after you so you chase after him. Second Samuel twenty two thirty six, you have given me your shield of victory. Your help has made me great. Chase after God. God wants to make you great. Have a great day. Keep listening to Despirituality Podcast. Don't forget to go on the site and take a look at despirituality.net where we're putting up regularly new studies and we're going to be bringing you in the weeks to come a whole new section called Deep Discussions. You're going to absolutely love it. We'll be seeing you in the future with some new podcasts all beat around, built around the theme called Freedom. But I can't give you any more information. You'll just have to wait and see. <laughs>